G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I say when things begin and I say when they end. I say who gets in and who stays out. Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll continue It Must Fall Down. Pastor Jeff brings us a message, a warning, to not approach God, the creator of the world, with our own agenda. You have no guarantees of what is going to happen tomorrow. You don't. We know that. The only way for us to make it through this world is to know that there is a sovereign God and He is able to take all the chaos in life and still bring beauty and pattern and design into it. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we continue, It Must Fall Down. When they come to get Jesus in the garden, He gives them one final display, just so they know, just so you know who I am. Don't ever underestimate me. Be careful. Be careful that you don't allow something that has ingrained itself into your mind, change the way you approach God. Jesus is saying one word from me and everything will fall. I can create by a word. I can destroy by a word. I can speak everything into existence. I am the one who said, let there be light and light was. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I say when things begin and I say when they end. I say who gets in and who stays out. And he turns and he says a word, I am. And everyone would have understood. I brought you into this world and I can take every single one of you out. In fact, what Jesus will do by submitting himself to them, himself to them, will be what philosophers have said for the ages, a demonstration of what real power is. Real power is when you have ultimate power, but you choose to restrain it for a greater good. Jesus says, who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth, I am. You want me, you got me. Now take me because I'm going to die so that you'll never have to. Okay, what's the point? What's the point? Yes, I believe, and I tell you this all the time. I believe that whatever it is in your life, whatever it is, that it has to submit to God. And I believe that you and I need to live with this foundation. It's the only way I know to survive. It's the only way I know you're going to make it. Because the reality is tomorrow I could be told that I have cancer. Tomorrow I could lose a kid. Tomorrow my wife could become ill. You had no guarantees of what is going to happen tomorrow. You don't. We know that. So you either deal with it or you block it out of your mind and live in denial. The only way for us to make it through this world is to know that there is a sovereign God and he is able to take 
all the chaos in life and still bring beauty and pattern and design into it. But my problem is this. I get that and I've preached it all my life. But I've gone too far one way. Be careful that your theology becomes too one-sided. God does not need you nor me to constantly defend him. God is God and he can't be totally figured out. But he can be trusted on the basis of the cross. He can be trusted for your present and your future. Stay with me. When I have debated, friendly debates with my friends who are in Islam, one of the first passages they will bring to me to show me that Jesus is not God, believe it or not, is Mark 6, 4 through 5. Here's what it says. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So my Muslim friend will say, see, if Jesus was God, he could have done the miracles because there's nothing God can't do. Now, there's a lot of theology going in here, but let's make it simple. If I went to Glendora and I put a sign up, golf clinic here next week, Jeff Vines. Okay. Good golfers aren't going to show up because they know I'm not a golf pro. Only genuine hackers are going to show up. People who have no hope probably shouldn't be playing the game. And then my advice to them would be take two weeks off and give it up altogether. It's not that Jesus had a blind man. Eyes open, eyes open. Can't, oh, rats, I just can't do it. No, it's not that. It's like nobody came. He couldn't do it because nobody showed up. They had no faith. So they didn't think Jesus was anything special. Now the people who did show up, the Bible says he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. So a few people showed up and he did what he can do. But they didn't have the faith to even show up and give their ailment to him. Because whatever's ailing you, when it meets the master, it will fall back, cower, and die. Sometimes, listen, sometimes when they come for you, whether it be a, a I don't know, you're going to lose your job, you're, somebody's going to uh, bring harm to you, the evil one's going to bring harm to you. Sometimes when they come for you, Jesus meets them. And he says to them, who are you looking for? And they may say, well, we're looking for Jeff Vines. And I think Jesus says, well, I live in him now. This is my house. And nobody comes into my house without my permission. And they may say to him, well, who are you? And he'll say, I am. You just better watch yourself. And don't misinterpret my permission in the past for my permission in the present and future. I determine who gets in and who gets out. Here's the thing. When anything or anyone who opposes the will of Jesus meets Jesus, that person or that thing falls down and begins to disintegrate. See, isn't it true that you have no idea how many times God has stood at the heart door when something's tried to come in and disintegrate you? You have no idea how many times he said, nope, this is my house and nobody comes into my house. See, you don't have any idea how many things he stopped. You're only aware of the things he's let in, right? How many times has he said, no, not coming here. No, can't do that. And how many times has he said, okay, I'm going to let you in, but I'm going to let you in for a season for my purposes. There's a greater good. Because remember, even though he said, I am, he still put his hands out. All right, take me to the cross because that's the will of the father. And sometimes it's the will of the father that you go to the cross. But you have no idea how many times he said no. 
No, not this time. Not in my house, not without my permission. Can I show you something? This is something I noticed in Matthew chapter eight. There are four stories or four parables, so to speak, or probably just narratives. Let's call them narratives because they're actual happenings. And then stuck in the middle of that one chapter is this paragraph that looks out of place. The first story in chapter eight, you know about, it's the Roman centurion. The centurion comes to Jesus and says, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus speaks the word. What is the word? I wonder if it's I am. You say that's two words. I think you're missing the point. (laughs) The centurion said, you don't have to come to my house. So did Jesus speak through the streets out in the countryside into the centurion's home and say, I am healed. The disease, whatever it was that was taking the life of his slave or son, cowered and began to fall back and disintegrate. Then there's another story in Matthew 8 right behind that one. A demon possessed. There are many who were demon possessed. Jesus drove out the spirits with a word, one word, and healed all the sick. What was the word? Did he say, I am to the evil spirits and they had to go? And then he says, it's because of what would be fulfilled from Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. What was the word? Then there's another one right on the hills of that. It's where the disciples are in a boat. There's a storm. They're afraid. Jesus rebukes them first because they don't have enough faith. And then he rebukes the winds and the waves. What does he say with the word? And they say, what kind of man is this who even the winds and the waves obey? What was the word? Did he, did he go out like Titanic and stand on the you know, front of the boat? I am. You know, what, what would have happened to the iceberg had Jesus been there? You know, I am. And it falls down. It breaks apart. It disintegrates. And then there's a, other demonic dudes who come to him. There's a herd of pigs over on the hillside. And the demons recognize who it is, so they're terrified. They know when. If you meet, Jesus, you meet the real Jesus, whatever's ailing you falls down, begins to disintegrate and die. So they know their future. So they beg him for some reason, because I guess they're not very smart. Do, if you're going to do something with a sin, it's into the pigs. And Jesus, one word, go. And he sends them into the pigs. And the pigs run over the cliff, into the water, and drown. It's Jesus' way of saying, okay, you can go to the pigs if you want, but you're still going to die and disintegrate. Because you've met the master. You have to be careful of where your faith is. And you have to remember who it is you're talking to. This is Today with Jeff Vines. The message is, it must fall down about having our own agenda or assumptions about the way God should operate. Here's Pastor Jeff. You have to remember who it is you're talking to because stuck in the middle of chapter eight is this tiny little paragraph right in the middle, right interrupting the power of Jesus with a word. It's like almost, okay, you've seen these examples. Now listen to this word. He says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. That's nice enough, but look at Jesus' reply. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. What's he saying? Why is that in the middle of all this? Because Jesus is saying, okay, if you're going to follow me, you bring it all to me. Can't promise you a soft pillow. Can't promise you a nice bed. I'm telling you that once you follow me, you give every event of your life to me. Everything. Everything. Another guy comes and says, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. This is a first century saying that means let me go work with my father, gain my inheritance. 
And when I've gotten all the money from my dad, then I'll come follow you because I won't need anything else. And Jesus basically says, well, if you don't need anything else, you don't need me. So he says, let the dead bury their dead. Let those who are spiritually dead take care of the dead mundane manners or matters rather of earth. He's saying, if you're going to follow me, you've got to bring everything. All right, here's the clincher. And we're almost done already. You say, oh, so soon? Yes. Yes. This ought to make you happy. Jesus is saying this. You want to follow me? Bring it all to me. Because I'm not going to be responsible for anything you keep to yourself. Whatever it is that's ailing you, whatever it is that's in you, that's destroying you, humble yourself and give it all to me. Because when it meets the master, it will fall back, cower, and die. Please listen. I don't know exactly how this works. I am not God. And I refuse to make promises to anyone other than the promises I know for certain in Scripture. And the thing I know in Scripture is every prayer you pray, the answer, as far as the ailments in your life that are destroying you, is yes. But sometimes it's yes when you get to heaven, and sometimes it's yes now. But it's always yes. And I've noticed in my life that there are seasons that God seems to work. There are seasons in the life of an individual. Sometimes it seems like everything I pray, God's hearing and I feel close to God and everything's just getting done. I go through other seasons when I feel like saying, God, are you even there? The same thing happens in the life of a church. There are some seasons when the church just can't make it over the threshold. It's God, we, we need you. We, we love you. We want you to move, but it just seems like God is distant. I didn't say that he was. I said, it seems like that. Then there are other seasons, man, the church starts to pray and things just start happening. They're like dominoes, one after the next, after the next. And you can never predict when the season's gonna be. But here's the message I have for you. We're in that season right now. So jump on board while you can. I prayed for Izzy, he died. I prayed for Adriana, she died. I prayed for a lot of people, they died. But right now, this season, I prayed for my friend Anthony. He goes to the doctor, no cancer. I prayed for my friend Chris. He goes to the doctor, no cancer. Not me, not I prayed, but our elders, our church, we prayed. And right now we just keep getting one answer out of another. I still can't tell you. I still can't predict God. The real God will contradict you at every point. You will never know. But I can tell you this. When whatever's ailing you is given completely over to God and it meets the master, Change the way of your thinking. Your first inclination should be God, make it cower and die. And if it doesn't, you live with a foundation of you trust God. And just like Jesus said, okay, God has decided that I go to the cross, then you go because you know it's the will of the Father and you'll have a resolution, but don't let that be your default. That's the problem with my life. For too long, the default automatically was, I would say to people, hey, God may not take this away from you, but he'll walk you through it. Now I'm just as bad as the first guy because I'm telling them what God's gonna do. That is not my place. Our first inclination should be, God, we're gonna give it to you because I know you got power. I know you can speak the word I am and it will cower and die. So what is it in you? 
What, it needs, what is it in you that you need to give completely and fully to Jesus? You have an addiction, pornography, a sexual habit, drug addiction. It's killing you. The only solution is to bring it completely to Jesus. Hold on to no part of it. Let it meet the master. Don't doubt his power. Don't underestimate his authority. Give it to him and watch it cower and die. You got bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. Bring it completely to Jesus. Hold on to no part of it. Let it meet the master. Don't doubt his power. Don't underestimate his authority. Don't misinterpret meekness for weakness. Give it all to him and watch it cower and die. You're young and you're wondering where God is leading you and you're frustrated because you can't see clearly what tomorrow or next month or next year. Knock it off. Bring it to him, all of it. Don't try to manipulate him, just give it to him. Bring it to Jesus, hold on to no part of it. Let it meet the master. Don't doubt his power. Don't underestimate his authority. Give it all to him and watch your fears and doubts and anxieties cower and die. You got, you have a marriage that's falling apart and you can't see possibly how this can be reconciled. There's too much damage and too many hurts, too many differences. Bring it to Jesus, man. Don't try to understand it. Don't hold on to any part of it. Let it meet the master. Let him turn and look at you and your husband and say, I am. Both of you give it completely to him. And yes, you can seek the wisdom of godly counselors, but ultimately give it to Jesus and watch it cower and die. Not your marriage, but all the obstacles, all the things that are trying to kill it. Let him heal it. Let him put it back together. You have a son or a daughter who's going off the deep end. You say, Jeff, they're too far gone. Drugs and destructive habits. They're even in prison. I say to you, knock it off, man. Bring this completely to Jesus. Hold on to no part of it. Don't tell him what he should or should not do. Just bring it to him and ask him to speak the words, I am. Let this situation meet the master. Don't doubt his power. Don't misunderstand or underestimate his authority. Just bring it. Give it all to him and watch it fall back, cower, and die. You say, but Jeff, I know others who have prayed and brought their issues to Jesus and the thing did not cower and die. Okay. That's what I said. We live by faith that when it doesn't cower and die, God takes it, all the chaos, and brings beauty, pattern, and design. That's what it is to be a Christ follower because the cross is the ultimate example. All I'm saying is don't go there first. First, go to him and beg him like Jesus did in the garden to speak, I am, so that it will fall down, cower, disintegrate. And you're telling me that just because you know somebody that God didn't work the way you thought they should have in their lives, you're not even gonna bring it before him to, to, to allow him to make the sovereign choice of what he will do in yours. Early in my ministry, I preached sermon after sermon. God will work everything together for the good of those who love God and called according to his purpose. I still believe that. Boy, I do believe that. I believe only God can connect the dots. I preached sermon after sermon and I've said he will not take you away from it, but he will take you through it. I don't have the right to say that. I don't because he may want to take it away. 
Let God be God, man. And this is a season right now. Jump on board. Bring completely. Bring it completely to Jesus. Hold on to no part of it. Let this situation meet the master. Don't doubt his power. Don't underestimate his authority. Give it all to him and watch it fall back, cower, and die. That's what I'm saying. I want you, if you would, close your eyes for a second. Bow your heads. Same thing online campus, wherever you are, Starbucks, some coffee shop, you're in a living room at home. Wherever you are, bow your head, close your eyes, and I want you to do 60 seconds of business with God. Ask God to speak a word into whatever it is that's ailing you. To speak the word so it will fall down, disintegrate, and die. Believe in his power. Keep on asking. God, the obstacles that are causing my marriage to disintegrate, speak a word to them. My fears and anxieties and depression, speak a word. My kids, speak a word. My disease, speak a word. My future, speak a word. My bitterness and anger, speak a word. My addiction, speak a word. Father, I pray for every prayer that has gone up before you. That by faith, you would speak a word in response to our faith. And whatever it is that's ailing so many, that it would just fall apart and disintegrate at the word of your command. Simply in the face of your identity, I am. There'd be enormous faith in this place that in this season we would bring it before you. Whatever it is that ails us would meet the master. He would speak a word and that thing would fall back and begin to disintegrate and die. We are loyal to you. We know we've been bought with a price that we belong to you. We know that you're able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine. Just God, help us to first move as Jesus moved to ask you to speak a word and to take this pain away. Living with the resolution that you can be trusted to work everything together for your good. Hear our prayer, oh God, in Christ's name. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of his message about letting God be God and giving everything that ails us, that troubles us to Him. For in His presence, it must fall down. You can find more from Pastor Jeff at our website, vision.org.au. Just search for Jeff Vines.
Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.